Welcome back to Influencer Business. I'm your host, Rich Scudelari. First and foremost, I hope you are all safe. I hope you are all healthy. And please be practicing social distancing and the other measures that are being espoused by the officials and the experts. Uh, and hopefully we can curb this coronavirus as soon as possible and get things back to normal as quickly as possible. Obviously, I wish I was coming to you under better circumstances, but uh, I do think that we have an amazing episode lined up for you today. We uh, sped up the production of this episode to get it out to you ASAP because it's a topic that I think is on everybody's mind. Uh, Whether you've talked about it or not, personal finances is definitely something that everybody's thinking about, and there's, there's certainly been a lot of anxiety about. Um, with the unemployment numbers coming out this past week in at h- historic levels, uh, which is not a good thing, uh, and then the stock market taking a huge hit last week, uh, everybody is thinking about the next several months and their personal finances. If you don't know where to start, we're hoping that this episode gives you a place to start. We are fortunate enough to be joined by Cameron Rogers today, a chartered financial analyst and a private wealth manager at Elevest. Uh, Cameron is a good friend of mine and Mary's. We've known her for a long time, and she spends every waking moment of her business life trying to help people better set themselves up for the long term when it comes to their finances. This is obviously a very difficult time. There's a ton of anxiety. There's a ton of uncertainty, especially when it comes to personal finances. But also, there's an opportunity here. There's an opportunity to either rethink or start thinking about your personal finances in a very structured manner. And if you don't know where to start, we're hoping that this episode is a place for you to start. Cameron is uh, wonderful. She's been in this line of business for a long time and really understands how to approach it in a very pragmatic and practical way. She has some great examples that will give you a way to think about how to manage your personal finances moving forward. So without any further ado, let's get to our conversation with Cameron. Cameron, thanks again so much for joining us today on Influencer Business. But before we dive into kind of the the main piece of the conversation, give us a little background on Elevest and kind of what you do day to day. Yeah, absolutely. And, and thrilled to be here. Elevest is the investment company that is co-founded by Sally Krawcheck that is built by women for women and our allies. We are an inclusive company. So a new client could begin investing their first $10 or their next $10 million because the core of our mission is getting more money into the hands of more women. We all know that there are a number of ways to get more money into the hands of more women, whether you're addressing the gender wage gap, whether you um, you know, are looking to add more diversity at the C-suite, on company boards, getting women into roles where they're running P&Ls. We look to accomplish this through our core competency, which is investing. And we construct investment portfolios for clients that are smart, that are diversified, cost-aware that take into account um, a lot of life nuances for women, like longevity, trajectory of income, and most importantly, portfolios that are aligned with our clients' goals. I am a financial advisor in LFS Private Wealth Business, where we work with high net worth and ultra high net worth women, men, we love men, uh, and their families around all aspects of financial planning and investing. Um, basically, my day-to-day is meeting, um, well, not meeting right now, but but speaking with clients and prospective clients around how to best marry their investment portfolios with their day-to-day lives and the short-term and long-term goals that they're thinking about. So you spend your days just thinking about how to enable people to maximize their wealth and plan out their lives accordingly such that they can uh, afford the types of lives that they want to have and save in the right places, put money to work in the right places. Uh, and I would imagine you're probably very busy, even though you're not meeting in person. Uh, I would imagine the last three weeks have been quite busy for you. Very busy. It's top of mind, right? Our, our, our personal health, our family's health, and our financial wellness are top of mind. It's been incredibly busy, and and we've thinking we've been thinking about you know engaging in in different ways. I know I talked about meeting. We're not we're not meeting with clients right now, but um, you know this is why this is why I exist, and and so we're um, you know we're doing a lot for clients right now. 
Mm-hmm. Well, awesome. Let's jump in uh, to kind of the meat of the conversation here, because as you mentioned, it is top of mind for everybody. It doesn't matter kind of what area of business you're in, what what you do for work. Right now, with the markets in turmoil, uh, the unemployment numbers just came out, uh, and you know those don't look good. So this is top of mind for everybody. Um, but before we get specific to influencers, content creators, uh, I want to. I think it's important to kind of really quickly set the stage a bit. There are a lot of terms being thrown around. You know, a bear market, recession, um, you know, depression, things like that. Can you give us a little context on kind of what we're looking at right now? Because in a matter of three weeks, we went from you know one of the best economic climates with the Dow looking to clip thirty thousand, uh, you know, kind of an all time high. Uh, to businesses struggling, workers being out of jobs, it it all seems so sudden. Yeah, if it you know if this downturn feels like it came out of nowhere, you're not alone in that sentiment. As recently as the beginning of this year, so the beginning of 2020, we could point um, to a number of really positive things in the U.S. and the U.S. economy. Whether that's healthy consumer balance sheets, so household net worth was the highest it's been in 30 years. Household debt as a percentage of income was the lowest it's been in 30 years. Um, Rich, you mentioned employment. We had very low unemployment, right around 3.6%. Solid corporate earnings, and, and that's the income generated by companies. You know, real really few imbalances across the across the financial system um, and, a, and a strong banking sector. And the last few market downturns have been driven by a sort of imbalance in some of these spaces. So it's reassuring that we didn't see this coming into the current downturn. You know, this this is also a good economic backdrop um, for having a voice and platform to influence consumer behavior. Your audience is highly alert and has the financial bandwidth to act on your ideas. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when times are good, obviously people are buying. There's, you know, a lot of consumption and whatnot. And and when you say it's reassuring that we didn't see it coming, what what do you mean by that exactly? It's reassuring um, that we didn't see it coming because things were, you know, things were working as they should. There weren't those imbalances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was a strong economy. Right. It I wasn't like 2008 you, when, yeah, yeah. you know, hindsight's hindsight's 2020. But if you mm-hmm. looked to, if you look to the months and, you know, even into years prior to 2008, there were, you know, these systemic imbalances and it was, you know, it was mostly centered around, around the banking system, which is why it's so important that today we have, you know, really strong banks with, um, you know, a lot of capital and, and ability to, you know, work with the government, weather the storm, because, you know, as, as recently as 2008, that wasn't the case. Right. So, Obviously, there are a lot of different ways to look at things. You named some some statistics and some numbers that have been really good. You know, some people would say, "Well, unemployment was down, but people were working two or three jobs, and it didn't." You know, but end of the day, arguably very strong kind of economy. Things are firing on all cylinders. There was an external force exerted on the market, and now we're in this this kind of downturn. And before this recording, we talked a little bit about kind of the current downturn, um, you know, and how it's kind of centered around the economy. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. And you're totally right. This downturn is centered around the economy and the impact on the financial markets is secondary. It's it's being, mm-hmm. you know, the financial markets are being influenced themselves. And, you know, what do I mean by centered around the economy? By staying at home, by having businesses temporarily shut, by reducing non-essential spending, we, like we collectively, are impacting the U.S. economy by decreasing consumption. By we, you mean you and me? Like all of us, like the aggregate Mm -hmm. of all of us, you know, day to day, we we may not feel like our, our actions you know, are, are making a big impact. But when you scale that up to, you know, 320 or we're doing the census right now, you know, 330, right. who knows, million people like that, you know, that has an impact, especially when consumption represents 70% of the U.S. economy. Mm-hmm. And what do you mean? And when you when you talk about consumption, you're just talking about 
buying stuff at the store and you know selling stuff as a small business just the the general day-to-day activity of Americans yeah absolutely and it's it's you know it's it's not pennies it's 14 trillion dollars of, of spending a year and and so that's you know that equates with a little over of a trillion dollars of spending for per month so you know while the month of March, feels really long. The the aggregate changes we're all making makes a big difference. Talk to us a little bit about the here and now versus the future. Obviously, it wasn't like 2008 when uh, some banks got too excited about doing some things that were on the margin and uh, you know, there was a few small dominoes that hit and all of a sudden massive impact on the rest of the economy. Um, how are we kind of addressing this now How's it going to impact companies? What are what, what are we looking at? Yeah, um, you know the new normal um, of the COVID epidemic is temporary in nature, um, mm-hmm. and it it will impact the companies and brands uh, that you're working with, as well as as an influencer, your audience, your audience's attention and personal dollars. And mm-hmm. this is an important point. It's not all bad news, but it is time to be cognizant about who in your ecosystem is ramping up spending, who's hiring, who's ramping up their marketing budgets, and who's pulling back. And there are early indications of this. Um, you know, I've been looking at companies like a Facebook, like a Twitter, who on one side of the equation are experiencing experiencing traffic to their sites and apps at near record levels. Because uh, you know everybody's sitting around, kind of surfing the net or whatnot. Yeah. But um, but but advertisers are yeah. Everybody's back at spending. home and everybody's nobody's working. Home. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But on the other yeah. side of the equation, their mm-hmm. advertisers are pulling back spending, and so you're seeing this early guidance from them as companies around, um, you know, revenue um, and profit misses. You know, if you look to the fashion and beauty space, we sometimes forget that. of retail still happens in the store. So for those companies and brands that have, yeah, right? Like we talk about e-commerce, 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 85% still happens in stores. So for those companies and brands that have closed their stores, which we know right now are most, they're making tough decisions around how to redirect their dollars. You know, do they begin to build out in the e-commerce space or continue to build out in the e-commerce space? Are they looking to play pay their employees through the closures? And, you know, Mary Dillon of, of Ulta was on CNBC yesterday discussing this very fact. Um, on the flip side of that, you see online sales at general merchandise retailers soaring, like jumping 50% in a day from March of last year, um, you know, and the likes of Amazon, Walmart, and probably a, a dozen others are looking to hire roughly, you know, 500,000 people in, in the coming weeks. Yeah. And one of the things that you've said is that this is kind of temporary, but temporary could mean a number of different things because especially with something like this, uh, you you don't know how long it's going to last. So theoretically, yes, it's temporary, but temporary could be, you know, for the next three months, it could be for the next two years, because not only do you have to get through this time where everybody's shelter in place or quarantined, but you also have to get things back up and running. And it's not like we're just going to bounce back right away. Is that, is that an accurate portrayal? There's going to be some ramp up time, some businesses are going to go out of business. Some businesses are going to need time to get back on their feet. So temporary, uh, do you have a, t- a sense for how long that is? Or you know, at this point, are we just still guessing? I, th- I think we're all playing a guessing game. I, I wish I had more, um, you know, more insight. But I think for companies today, instead of trying to project what this timeline looks like, whether it's weeks, whether it's months, it's re-anchoring around their mission as a company in a time like today um, and setting themselves up to address you know, what we're addressing today. And for some companies, I think that is more, you know, it's easier, more evident, you know, what, you know, depending on the business model. And, and for some companies, I think it's, it's really tough. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the points that you made 
uh, around fashion and beauty, 85% of retail is still happening in stores. And when you shut those stores down, you start to think about the massive impact that that has on those companies. And then that trickles down to their employees. And something that uh, in our last episode, I talked to influencers about is you have to, I like the word that you use, re-anchor around the quote unquote new normal, at least for you know the, the, this quote unquote temporary new normal, right? Because they're not going to have the same type of budget that they used to. Um, the the advertising and marketing dollars are the dollars that get cut first because they haven't been spent yet, and it's better to cut there than to cut from than than to have to lay employees off. So when you're thinking about your business as an influencer or a content creator, you have to be thoughtful. Uh, about where the dollars are going to come from now. And you have to think about, again, I'd ask you to revisit the last episode where we talk about adjusting your cost base uh, and making sure that a reduction in your revenue, and, and it could be significant, could be 25, 50%, maybe even higher, depending on the types of brands you work with, right? The travel industry, industry as an example, got hit very hard. You have to reorient around this new, albeit temporary, normal, and make sure that you can weather the storm. Um, so just kind of wh- what is your departing high level thought on kind of the overall uh, market in the industry before we get into kind of some tactical things uh, that we can do uh, as people staring down uh, the, this downturn, however long it might be? Yeah, consuming anchors our economy. Um, consumption is, is 70% of our economy. But I do think that people will emerge from this with different thoughts around consumerism. You know, we won't we won't necessarily stop consuming, but consumers will look at the brand standing by them during this time and the brand supporting their employees' healthcare needs. And I really do think that we'll have a new outlook on company value and brand equity. And you know, those those are probably the, you know, the 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 current and, and the future winners down the road. Yeah, that's that's a really great point. And I, I hope you're right, because there's so many amazing private companies showing great leadership and, and empathy during a time like this. You know, I, I think about Christian Siriano and mm-hmm. what he did almost immediately was he effectively took his workforce and said, OK, we're no longer making dresses. We're now going to just be sewing masks or if it's Ford and 3M and GE teaming up to build ventilator parts. I think we're seeing some really impressive feats of of something that I'd call heroism, not maybe not the same type of heroism that we're seeing in the ER, in in these these places where people are actually like saving lives, but in in effect they are. If if Christian Siriano and his team can provide masks for people who don't then don't get sick, I think that's a huge win and and I hope that consumers remember that. Uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of us have very short memories as a country. I think we have a very short memory uh, mm-hmm. and things come and go. I hope that this sticks because I do think that in times of trial and tribulation, you're, you, it really brings out the best and the worst in people. And uh, unfortunately, we see a lot of the worst because that's easy to put on the TV and, and in the media. But uh, we are seeing some really, really amazing things happen. And uh, I just hope that that stays with people and they understand that and, and influencers in particular support those businesses when we come out of this because they earn it, right? It's not mm-hmm. easy. It, it, you know, it'd be easier for Christian Siriano to send everybody home so he doesn't have to pay anybody. But he has said, no, this is something that I'm going to do. Absolutely. So. I've been I've been inspired every day. It's actually nice uh, at times to take a step back from the doom and gloom that we see, read and hear all the time. And acknowledge, see and acknowledge uh, those acts of, you know, what I'd call heroism. You know, heroism doesn't have to be kind of the the big overt gesture. Sometimes it's just little actions and, and the difficult actions that uh, that really kind of show us who we are as, as people and as a country. So, but now let's, let's turn to kind of how all of this impacts influencers uh, and how they should think about their own financials. Obviously, there's a lot of the tightening of the belts when it comes to marketing and advertising right now. So revenue is going to be hard to come by. And in the last, as I mentioned previously, in the last special episode we did on the coronavirus and influencers, we talk about how to prepare your business. If you haven't listened to that already, please go give it a listen. The highlights are pretty simple. Uh, I adhere to the principle of prepare for the worst and hope for the best, particularly on the revenue front. Uh, you know, 
reimagine your cost structure under the assumption that you're going to take a 50% hit on the revenue side this year. Make sure you align your cost base with that kind of new reality. Hopefully it's not that bad, but you just want to be prepared and make sure that you can weather the storm. But now on the personal side of things, Cameron, which is where you spend the vast majority of your time, how should people be thinking about their personal finances in a time like this? For um, you know, for influencers, as you mentioned, Rich, cash inflows and outflows on the business and personal front are inextricably linked. Um, you know, and during times of economic and emotional stress like today, it can become easy to rationalize a divergence from normal. And so, in the same way that we're learning a new normal for instilling a regimen into our daily lives, whether that's schooling, whether that's social time, whether that's a regimen around our meals. I know I needed to stop eating pizza and ice cream every day. You know, we need to, we need <laughs> I haven't to, stopped yet. Oh I haven't man. Yet, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, but we need to uh, do this with our professional and personal finances um, as well. And during normal times, and, and I'll stress the, the point around normal I like to anchor around a personal finance rule called the 50-30-20 rule. And that helps me anchor around how my after-tax income is divvied up between my needs, between my wants, and my savings. 50% in the 50-30-20 rule of your after-tax dollars should be going to your needs. So what are needs? Think bills, groceries, transportation, housing, minimum debt payments, that you know, those types of things. 30% of your after-tax dollars should be going to your wants. So sure, we don't need that monthly wine club subscription. Sure, we may not need that, you know, that international trip. Sure, we don't need that Netflix account. Um, but fun is important and it's especially important today. Mm-hmm. And that last $20 goes to $20, 20%, excuse me goes to future you. Um, So those are your taxable savings. Those are your retirement savings. So think, you know, 401k, uh, IRA, and um, savings for a big purchase or expenditure. Um, What this looks like in practice, I always find putting kind of dollar values around it is helpful. So let's say, you know, you're a New York City resident Uh, like both of us, and you're making $100,000 of gross income, we'll say that your net pay after taxes, so after federal, state, local uh, taxes, as well as as Social Security and Medicare is $70,000. Applying the 50-30-20 rule to that $70,000 means that $35,000 should be going to your needs, $21,000 $21,000 should be going to your wants, and $14,000 should be going to that future you. Now, I'll caveat that again. That is a guideline for normal times, but we all know that these are non-normal times, and as we look at our current income and projected income over the com- coming months, for many of us, we know um, that this will change and this will oscillate quite a bit. So what do we do when we can't be so prescriptive? We start with our needs and for the time being put wants and future you, um, you know, kind of on the back burner. And I know that's a tough message because it could mean redirecting funds that you may have planned to use, you know, whether for a home purchase, for a wedding, et cetera. But it's important to remember that this recalibration, and it's a short-term recalibration, is not a reflection of you, uh, but rather it's really something hitting everyone. And, and most important right now is taking care of you and your families. Yeah. And I think it's a really important message, also a very clear one, that the old rules don't apply in a time of crisis. And I think effectively what you're saying is you need to batten down the hatches and weather the storm, especially with something like this where it's so uncertain in terms of the timeline, right? You can't predict today 
when it's going to end, when you're going to be out, when business is going to be back as usual, you know, when business is going to be back to normal effectively, when you're going to be back in the office, things are kind of back to quote unquote normal. And so you have to take on these new rules. You need to re-anchor around this new normal until we get clarity on where things are headed. You need to focus on the needs and put aside the wants. Would you actually focus on needs and then after needs put the future you dollars ahead of wants is that would you do that at this time yes i i would because uh because i think that i can get um really more of a bang for my buck for future me right now i know that sounds kind of strange but um but like many i'm i'm looking for you know i'm looking for a deal and when you say bang for your buck what do you mean by that so let's let's say for argument's sake that I have a little bit of excess income over my quote unquote needs. So I, I'm able to pay my rent, I'm able to buy food, and I'm able to take care of my utility bill. I am not worried about losing my home. Let's say for a second, I can take care of that. Let's say I have an extra hundred, hundred and fifty, two hundred dollars a month that I can spend, you know, or a thousand, whatever the, the number is. What you know, the stock market's down 30%. We really don't know what's going on. It's yo yoing back and forth. Like, where do I put that money? How do I think about it? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, and 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 for many of you, you may have some personal savings that where you're thoughtfully looking to put that to work right now. I will, we will talk about investing. It's it's obviously top of mind. A couple of things to discuss before you start investing and 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 what you really need to do to set yourself up for success. Um, those two things are one, paying off high interest debt, and two, making sure that you have some cash set aside in an emergency fund. And I think of um, paying off high interest debt, you know, very much as an investment in future you, your reducing your debt service payments and that broad expense down the road. And, you know, debt isn't bad. There is such a thing as good debt. In most cases, we benchmark good debt as anything at the beginning of uh, double digits APR. APR is annual percentage rate or lower. So that's often um, student loans, um, mortgage debt. Um, And if you can, you should really avoid taking on bad debt, the stuff with scary high interest rates. This is often credit card debt. And our rule at Elevest is that if you can't afford to buy something without putting it um, on your credit card, you really can't afford to buy it. And and credit cards should be thought of as a convenience. I think that's a really important point, especially now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, you know, we, credit card is pure, certainly initially thought up as pure convenience, but we've gotten used to kind of layaway payments and things like that. Um, I think that's a really important point. Yeah. And that, you know, that second point, um, having an emergency fund, that is very much, you know, three to six months of living expenses held in cash, you know, not that's invested. like three to six months of, of needs, so to speak? Of needs, yeah. So let's mm-hmm. say, you know, your needs on a monthly basis were $5,000. So three to six months is fifteen to $30,000 socked away, held in cash. And and when I say cash, I mean a savings account, a high yield savings account, if you can you can find yield right now or a, or a money market fund, not invested. What if you've been able to hit that level? What's what's the next step? Uh, to the extent that you have personal cash on hand, um, you know, let's let's talk about how you should be thinking about getting invested into this market. And there are three tenants that, you know, I want to talk about. The first tenant is be sure to match the intention of your savings dollars with the tenor of the investment that you're thinking about. So what do I mean by that? Let's say you have saved uh, money that will be used for the down payment on a home purchase in a, you know, in the next year. So the tenor or that timeline of that money, is a year, right? You will need it then to make the down payment for your home purchase. At the same time, you may also be wondering if you should be doing anything with that money in the interim, right? It's a lot of cash on hand. Um, Say investing it in the public equity or the public fixed income markets. 
while the tenor or the hold period of a, a public equity security, this is also known as a stock, you know, the nomenclature is kind of traded around. Um, that's really five plus years. That's a five plus year hold to experience the long term expected growth and income from that stock. And so if you were to put that one year money, that down payment money into a five year opportunity, you know, the public equity stock markets, you're exposing yourself to a potential fluctuation or fluctuations in the value of that investment that you may not have the capacity to take over that time frame. On the flip side, you know, let's say you're a young person like us, right, uh, and have a, and have retirement savings that you won't be touching or accessing for 20, 30, 40 years. The tenor of that money is decades, you know, decades plural. And to have that money sitting in cash right now would not be doing future you a service. And there's, you know, this is the flip side of that mismatch where you're not exposing yourself to the long-term growth opportunities um, for your wealth. That makes a lot of sense. So basically match up your investment strategy with the timeline in which you will need the, the cash. You got it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. And, but- we're at this weird point now where we don't know what's going to happen with the market, right? So, you know, are, a lot of people out there are wondering, do I pull out my 401k? Do I, you know, do I put, go? do I go all in on the S&P now? Because there's been a 30% drop since the end of the year and it's only going to go up. How do I think about kind of trying to get in at the right time, if you will? Don't. <laughs> I mean, I mean... <laughs> No, I mean, what I was trying to say or what I, you know, what I'll say is um, there's a there's a big difference between timing of the market and and time in the market. I hope I, I enunciated that properly, um, but it is impossible to time the market. Um, that is evidenced by the market moves of the last month or so. And if you try to time your investment entry point, um, history says that you will probably time it wrong. If you're listening to all the pundits on the TV, you should be wary because, you know, they're still on TV for a reason, right? Um, so yeah. while um, while timing the market has little correlation with long-term portfolio performance, time in the market does. Again, time in the market. Um, so what is so, that? What does that mean? Yeah, break yeah it absolutely. Down break it down. Break it down. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I'm going to take us. I'm going to take us back on a, a short-term market history lesson. It's uh, you know, it's it's within our our lifetimes, within kind of the the depths of our memory. But I want to go back to um, you know the time period of 1997 to 2017. Just like stay with me here. That is mm -hmm. um that's a 20 year period. Um, Within that 20-year period, uh, you will know that there are 5,217 trading days. And the interesting thing about this 20-year period- Just to be clear, oh, you didn't I did know not that. know that. No, I did not know that. <laughs> fun fact. Fun fact. Yeah. Well, with it, <laughs> For your next with, trivia night. I know. Exactly. Well, within this period, um, you had two pretty major downturns. So you had the tech bubble of the early 2000s and then, um, you know, the global financial crisis, which I think a lot of us feels, you know, still feels very recent, even though it was 10 plus years ago. And then you actually had quite a, quite a bit of volatility in between. Um, but during those 20 years, had you, you know, plopped, let's say $100,000 into the market in 1997, you basically left it. It is, you know, went and lived your life for those next 20 years, for those next 5,217 trading days. Um, your average return over those 20 years would have been 7.2%. 7 now, 7.2% doesn't sound super heroic, but we all know that one of the reasons why you invest is the power of compounding. And that $100,000 plopped into the market, not thought about, you know, in the market for those 5,217 trading days after 20 years at the end of 2017 would be $400,000. You would have 4X your money. 4X your money. Not through bad, Through a right? tech bubble that burst in a mm -hmm. global financial crisis. Not bad, right? Not bad he, at not all. Not bad. Well, here's the no. interesting thing. So let's say over those 20 years, over those 5,217 trading days, you miss the 10 best days 
And one thing to note, and, and you know, we've witnessed some of this in, in the last month, some of the kind of best updates follow in close proximity to the, you know, the kind of tough down days. There's, you know, they're, they're often pretty near each other. So let's say of those, again, 5,217 trading days, you miss the 10 best days over those when you, 20 years. When you years. say you miss them, what do you mean by that? You're not in the market because you've pulled out oh. of the market. You're, you're not investing in the market because you've tried to time the market and you've, you've pulled out, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're in cash. Your return during that time period would have been halved. It would have been 3.5%. And that $100,000 would be $200,000. Now, $200,000 doesn't sound too bad, but you realize that you you basically missed out on another $200,000 right. because of it, 10 days. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't sound as good as $400,000. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. So, you know, and, and and we can take this, you know, we can take this example further, but I think it it, it proves itself. And I don't think you want me to keep reciting how many trading days, but, um, right. you know, but it's, 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 a, it's a real factual historic example of the importance of time in the market versus timing of the market. Got it. So if we if we bring it back to the point, uh, you, your 401k, your savings, other money for future you, the, the point is, if you have a long time horizon, leave it in the market. Leave it in the market. Have a strategy. I'm not saying that, you know, 100% allocated to the S&P is the right strategy. It's probably not. So you need to have a strategy around sure. it. But you also need to have that, that discipline um, of staying in the market. And, and part of that discipline is setting yourself up for success, going back to this idea of matching the tenor of an intention or the tenor of a goal with the the tenor of the investment instrument that that you're you know you're investing in. Talk to us a little bit about uh, how to put this money to work. Is it all at once? Is it like continually over the course? How, how do you think about this strategy? And then we'll get to where they can go for help on this strategy because I would imagine most people listening to this are not spending their days like you're spending your day looking at the market development portfolios and stuff like that. You know, history will show that once you've, you know, once you've got those sort of tenor goal questions um, answered and, and you can anchor around, you know, being invested in the market that you should really put your money to work, um, not as much set it and, and forget it, but, but get it invested. Today, you know, while that is pretty much the, the winning funding strategy over time, um, today, sort of all of the behavioral elements come into play, right? Like these are, again, these are non-normal times. So I would say if you're hesitating and you don't feel like you can have that discipline to get invested, you know, maybe set yourself up, you know, to have that discipline. So you can, you know, invest in increments, dollar cost averaging, maybe you invest you know, in the middle of the week, kind of what's, mid, uh, what's dollar cost average averaging? It's discipline around when you're buying, um, pretty much taking the the emotion out of when you're buying um, into the market. And and in in many cases, we're all already doing that um, because if we have you know a four hundred one k or you know a similar um, structure, either um, you know as with our employers or being self-employed, you know, we're doing that on on a bi-monthly basis to begin with. You know, a part of our paycheck is going to future you right. and, and we're not even thinking about it and we're not directing it. So I would say maybe take that same mentality and that same discipline, um, you know, to investing currently. You know, the, so a, a smaller amount more consistently over time. Absolutely. Okay. And and the last point, you know, the last point I'll make is um, own an investment for the right reasons. I, um, Rich, I'm I'm sure that you've had this sort of same experience, but I can't tell you how many times I've gone to a a cocktail party or a dinner party and people are talking about investing in Bitcoin or cannabis or yeah. esports or or whatnot. And yeah. and you know, I don't want to knock on the merits of these ideas because they could be the right opportunities for certain people, um, you know, at certain points in life, at certain levels of wealth. But I do want to stress that you should own an investment for the right reason. And in 
my book, the foundational reasons are capital preservation. So trying not to you know, lose money or, or lose kind of the value of that investment, capital appreciation. So growing your wealth, um, income, and, and that's you know, a term for cash return to you and broad uh, portfolio diversification. And you know, I know dinner party conversation will never be long-term diversified investment portfolios. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like really cool with that. It's not a sexy topic. It won't light up a room. But I do think that, you know, and, and this is our view at Elevest, if we can get you to where you need to be with the right diversified set of investments, that's um, you know, that's pretty compelling in my book and and that's dinner party worthy conversation. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's interesting because I think it goes to a lot of things in life, candidly. I think that the, the you know, the tortoise and the hare example, right? The dinner party ideas of the hare and the tortoise is ultimately what ends up winning you. It's that consistency. It's that day in and the day out. It's it's something that we talk a lot on, uh, on the podcast vis-a-vis businesses, doing the right thing, putting in the time, putting in the effort, even when it seems like you're not making any progress, doing it day after day after day, engaging with your audience, creating content, focusing on what really matters in your business. The same principles apply to your investing. Set a strategy, stick to it, you know, grit your teeth when the times are tough, like right now, and just mm-hmm. know that the numbers play out and the consistency will play out. Because you're right, it's not a sexy topic. You know, it's not, hey, I, you know, I made a million dollars on Bitcoin the other day because of, or I'm invested in cannabis or esports. But as you see, you know, in 20, I think it was 2017, Bitcoin was an all-time high of 20,000. Today, it's around 6,000. Mm-hmm. Cannabis, you're seeing some of these these mass producers in Canada and the U.S. are having to shut down because they overestimated what they could do. Um, you know, esports, time will tell on that. But there's also an asset class for that. It's called venture capital. That's, you know, where uh, it's it's like any other asset class. There's a risk reward profile associated with it. So I think that's a really important point. So if we back up and just kind of take this conversation uh, from the beginning to now and kind of what what are the key points? The key points are from a personal perspective. And Cameron, stop me if I'm if I'm misstating any of this. Mm-hmm. Um, from a personal perspective, your personal needs right now are of the highest priority. You need to batten down the hatches. You need to make sure that you are taken care of for the foreseeable future on your rent, your bills, uh, your key bills, you know, minimum debt payments, and things like food, like the necessary items that you need to survive. Focus on there first. Understand what that number is and make sure you have adequate runway given the new normal. Whatever, you know, if you've had to take a reduction in salary, if you've had a reduction in the amount of dollars that are coming in, just make sure you realign your cost base, your your core cost base around the dollars that are coming in. Exactly what we said on the previous podcast. And then the second order of business there is the future you setting up that emergency fund, making sure you're putting a little money away for the future. The reality is, and something that you alluded to, Cameron, is this actually might be a great time to be get into the market, not aggressively. You do not want to spend money that should be going to your needs or to your emergency fund. But if you have a little bit of excess cash sitting on the sidelines, a hundred bucks, five hundred bucks, a thousand bucks. If, and you want to deploy that in a smart way, it might not actually be a bad time to do it because this is a dip. And, and ideally and generally and historically, after a dip comes a recovery. And you would like to share in some of that upside. And alluding back to the initial piece of the conversation, like this downturn didn't happen because of a fundamental misplacement in the market. It happened because of an external factor right? This virus came about. The economy was running along nicely. Now, you could make arguments that parts of it were weak or whatever, but generally, the stock market was an all-time high. Unemployment was down. Some big numbers were trending in the right direction. So this actually could be an interesting time to take part in what is going to be, hopefully, a recovery. Now, how long that takes, again, goes to your point around timing your investment with the kind of with your life, right? If you need the money in a year, maybe do something a lot less risky. If you need something, you know, if you don't need it for 20 years, okay, maybe you can put it in the stock market. Is that a fair characterization of how to look at this kind of on the whole? I couldn't have said it better myself. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you could have because you do this for a living. (laughs) 
It's a great is, summary. <laughs> is there anything else uh, that maybe we haven't covered yet that um, you know you'd like to touch on that you think folks who are not only looking to make sure they're taken care of on the personal side, but also who are running small businesses themselves should think about in, in kind of these uncertain times that are kind of defined by this turmoil. I'll say one thing as it, you know, my, um, what I'm doing at Elevest and who I'm working with <clears throat> is very much, you know, my own personal business. And in the kind of first couple weeks of all of this, I, I kept trying to place a bet on the tenor of how this all plays out and sort of how long I have to, you know, sort of shift on the margin um, to wait it out. And again, I have, you know, I have no projections around how long we will be, um, you you know, we'll be living with this or, or what it looks like on the other side. But I have shifted my wager for, the you know the tenor of um, you know this virus to um, the mission of my business and and my mission and what I need to anchor on and how I need to readjust in some ways. Um, I think that we all can be doing that. And again, there are a lot of companies and individuals out there, and we we talked about some of them that have done it. But um, but I think it's a really important time for us to all re-anchor around our mission and how we can help others. And I think that that will, you know, that will guide our own our own personal brands through this. Mm-hmm. I think that's very relevant, very topical. I think that these times force us to look inward and think critically about what we're standing for and what we're doing. Uh, and it's great to hear that you're doing that. You know, like you said, you're running a small business of your own inside of Elevest, right? You have your own clients. You have to help them through this, and you have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, "All right, what do I stand for?" Um, and Cameron, this has been incredibly helpful. Uh, if people want to learn more and get more access to resources like yourself and and information like you've been sharing, where can they go? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and one thing I'll put out there. Financial advice and guidance hasn't historically been super inclusive, right? Be it across genders, wealth levels, levels of personal finance knowledge. Um, and the team at Elevest, we at Elevest are here to change that. So for those who may have historically felt like this isn't their wheelhouse or they don't know enough or, you know, they you know, might not be able to have access to this advice, um, we're on a, on a mission to debunk those thoughts. And um, we all know that this conversation is of the utmost importance right now. So please, please um, check us out at elevest.com. That is E-L-L-E-V-E-S-T.com. And if you have personal questions or uh, questions as it relates to um, your own business, please email me. I am at C-R-O-G-E-R-S at com, And we can, uh, we can probably get that up on the um, podcast as well, but I'm here to, I'm here to chat, talk, talk about anything. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have Cameron's contact information in the description. Definitely hit her up. I've known her a long time. <laughs> she will not lead you astray. LFS is a wonderful organization uh, and uh, not only a bunch of good people, but they will help you kind of understand uh, the scary world of finance uh, and the scary world of investing. Uh, if you don't know much about it, they can bring you along. And if you do know a lot about it, they can continue to help you reach your goals. Um, so Cameron, thanks again for joining us today in Influencer Business. This has been incredibly helpful and uh, some very, I think, comforting wisdom in in a time where everybody's worried about their kind of personal finances. So we really appreciate you being with us here today on Influencer Business. Rich, thank you for having me. Another big thank you to Cameron for joining us today. Really quickly, before I let you go, I want to just recap and and highlight a few things that I think are incredibly important. First and foremost, we are in a unique period of time. The normal operating procedures do not apply. And when you think about your personal finances, I I think about it in terms of a waterfall. Step one, get your budget in order get your budget such that your income can cover your needs and focus on your needs only as step one. All of the necessities, your house, your food, your clothes, your car, all the things that you absolutely need to kind of survive. And then step two, 
Think about the future you. Skip over the wants for right now because this is, again, a very important time. Build out a little emergency fund so that it covers three to six months of your needs if for any reason your income decreases or pay down some high-interest debts. Again, invest in the future you to take care of yourself should anything happen. And then finally, step the, the next step after that is to invest in the future you. If you have cash coming in that's uh, above and beyond steps one and steps two, think about putting some of it into an investment vehicle of some sort. And again, to reiterate what Cameron was saying, match the intention of your investment with the timeline and the asset class. And if these are terms that might feel big and scary to you, reach out to somebody like Cameron, reach out to an Elevest. They will help you understand it. When you break it all down, it's actually quite simple. If you need the money in a year, put it into an, an asset, uh, an investment vehicle that will allow you to access it in a year. Don't put it into something that's super risky, but will earn you a lot of money over the long term. Make sure you match up your intention with the length of your investment vehicle. And when you do get to the point where you are starting to invest or you're continuing to invest, develop a framework Find somebody like Cameron who can help you with that and stick to it. The consistency is the most important thing. Just like anything else in your business, whether it's engaging with your audience or creating content, apply those same principles. Be diligent. Stick to it. As Cameron put it, time in market is the most important thing. Let the compounding nature of the stock market do its thing. Yes, it's a little scary right now because it's taken some hits, but over time, as she illustrated, if you had put your money into the stock market in 1997 through 2017, you would have made 4x your money. So $100 put in in 1997 would have yielded you $400 in 2017. That's incredible. And that is going through two major market downturns with the internet bubble bursting and with the Great Recession. So think about that and avoid the temptation to try to time the market. If you have more questions or you want more information, make sure you head over to LFS.com or send Cameron an email at crogers at LFS.com. This is a critically important topic, and it is highlighted during times like this where there's a lot of uncertainty, there's a lot of unemployment, and the market has taken a hit. So there is really no better time to start developing a strategy and a framework through which to think about your own personal finances. And there are amazing people over at LFS, Cameron in particular, who can help you with that? It doesn't matter where you are. If you have $10 to invest or if you've got $100 million to invest, they will help you out and they will make it such that you can understand what you're doing, the framework you're building, and make it so that you can execute on it effectively over the course of the next 20, 30, 40, or 50 years. The last thing I'll leave you with is two requests. First, if you found this at all helpful, if you found it at all comforting during a time where there are fewer answers and a lot more questions, share it with somebody who could hear it. Because in times like these where there's a tremendous amount of uncertainty and people don't know where to turn to for answers, I think it's incredibly important that very well-heeled, tenured, and experienced voices like Cameron's come to the fore and provide good guidance to people who need it. So please, if you found it helpful, we ask that you share it. And finally, if you have other questions, if you have topics you want us to cover, whether they be broad, specific, whatever it might be, let us know. DM us on Instagram at Trove Business or send us an email, team at trovebusiness.com. We are here for you. We want to help you through this tough time. Being a small business owner or even a big business owner or even just a person in these times is tremendously difficult. And we want to help you find the answers to the questions that you have. And with that, I'd like to thank you again for joining us today on this episode of Influencer Business. I'm your host, Rich Gudlari, and we'll see you here next time.